Well, at the time, right, now, you're painting there a picture and it's right of, of these guys and the, the sort of family atmosphere and everybody's in it together. But there was also turmoil. Yeah. You've got, you talk about the League Cup final, you dropped yourself for the League Cup final mm. that Jock Brown wins. I mean, he's <laughs> single-handedly won that trophy. Yeah. Yeah. You've got all sorts of carnage yeah. going on all around yeah. about it. Yeah. And did you have to isolate yourselves inside that dressing room in a way, although it's this big family club, if you spend too much time being bothered about the fact that Jock Brown's walked off the bus with the, holding the trophy or being bothered <laughs> about the fact that there's this unity, you're not going to be able to do your job. No, yeah, honestly, that, the dressing room was brilliant, you know. Aye. It was, it was a brilliant dress. The great thing about when I went back to Celtic was that I, I knew a lot of the lads for the national team. Craig, God rest him, Phil, Simon, Jackie, Darren. I, I, I knew a lot of the lads for the, mm. for the Scotland the sort of thing. I knew Van was just at a club. And, and, and the, when you go to a club, you, when you look at the manager's background, I mean, Dero, you're talking about his career. I mean, my God, you, you, it was phenomenal, his career and what he'd done. And you look back in his career, you think, Jesus, this guy's been a world-class player. So getting in there at that time must have been dead difficult for him because he knew, he'd have known the pressure of it. And how he handled the pressure was, was extraordinary for him. I think how he, he actually built that team. But the, the dressing room was what was really tight with that, Keith. You're right with that. They were, and you're right, there was moments when you thought, this is, I said, how how are we getting results here? Because of bloody madness here, and you think, what the hell's what the hell's going on here? So it was, it was really strong, really powerful. But a lot of the guys I knew, Tosh McKinley, was a brilliant guy, yeah. just good guys. There were yeah, good guys. That could a bunch of men. Yeah, hundred percent. They were men, and they had their arguments like everybody else. Nobody was soft. Nobody, they trained how he played as well. There was always that compared to Reggie training. Craig had a brilliant season at that time, Jackie. All the guys were bang on it, you know, and Vim had a way of playing. Big Matt Reaper, Sturzy, and Rico Noni, Boydie. Guys that, that knew the game and knew, knew, they knew how to win, how to win games. And yet, the team that you were up against had, no. uh, had won nine titles in a row. So, yeah. You know, I'm thinking to myself as an outsider, getting into, get into Celtic when they hadn't won for the last nine years, mm. you know, I would have imagined that there might have been a, a kind of, like, morale might have been really, really low and stuff like that. But, but what you're telling me there paints a completely different picture. There seems to have been a real determination that season that it had to be done. Well, well I, I came in in November or whatever it was, yeah. and the, the, the team was going, I knew they signed... Henrik, who I never knew Henrik at all. I, I knew the same Reggie, I never knew Reggie at all. So those guys here, I never knew. Mark Reaper, people like that, Stubbs, yeah. I never knew these guys. Stephen Mahi, I never never knew him. I didn't know the Scottish guys because of yeah. the, the national team and, and things like that. So I knew that side of it. It was just probably handling that expectation level of, of the club having to win. And you're right, in all, in all my time, that was the strongest Rangers team that I'd played against that era, without a shadow of a doubt. That was the strongest, the strongest era because they 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 had they had everything. They had strength, they had speed, they had great Gascoigne and people like that. They, they, they had a really good side, but what the Celtic lads had was an incredible strength. 
all together. That's that's what we had. And Van, yeah. I would say that you know we were lucky with injuries, but I would say we had about sixteen players or so that probably could, mm-hmm. yeah, could probably see the season through. After that, if anybody got injured, I thought we were we'd, we'd have struggled then. Right. Was that part of it, Paul? Though I mean, I'm joking about Jock Brown's cup final, but <laughs> but in that dressing room, it almost feels to me as if a bond is getting built here. You're, you're up against the odds. There is a bit of chaos in the background. It is a bit of a soap opera. But ultimately, if you don't stop this ten, then as you said, you're up the road. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're out. You're, you're, you're camouflaging coming out of park and, and you think you're here. This is. I, I think the big turning point. I know people look back on it and they say, oh, your goal at the park here. Yes. Craig, Craig's goal would have been good enough. The, the one now would have been good enough. Mm-hmm. We, we knew we had to win that. That that was that was paramount. That right. Because if Rangers had won that, I think they'd have got it again. Yeah. It'd, it'd right. been too much for us. And, but that game kind of sucked him back into the, the fold of it. Because Hearts, I might be wrong, but I think Hearts were close to that point. And then Hearts were actually... Hearts were actually in second place. They were a yeah. they were a point they were a point ahead of you, and yeah. Rangers were four in front of Celtic at the time. So if Rangers had won that New Year game, they'd go seven points clear of Celtic. And yeah. as you said, with that team that Rangers had, yeah, that's a tough one to get back, isn't it? I I, I think we'd have struggled, and and then obviously Hearts were doing well, and then they they tailed off, and then they became the, the two horses again. But that game certainly pulled Rangers back in. Mm-hmm. Again, to and and I know people say, is that the year Rock uh, Walter said that he was leaving? Yes. And said that's yeah. the real, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I really don't see that because I think they're good enough to, to mentally strong and say, okay, the manager's leaving. Let's let's get one last again. Yeah. Two ways to look at that. You can say, okay, we we we, we roll over and see how the manager's leaving. It's a shame, and we give up ten in a row. Or we say, okay, we're going to win it from, and we do. So I don't buy into that. Right. That thing, I think what we've probably done is handle that pressure a bit better than what Rangers did at that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tell us this second last game of the season, I think Celtic can actually win it by going to Dunfermline and winning. Oh. And you're winning one nothing with seven minutes to go. And mm-hmm. then um, the guy scores Falkingham, who's uh-huh. Uh-huh. Little, right. Uh, yeah. um, right. So, so this was what was this? That, that was a Sunday that you just played. Yeah. What was the six days like between? That Sunday and the Saturday when you're playing St Johnston, having to win it to win the league, and Rangers are playing at the same time, I think at Tannadice, Rangers did win. You had to beat St Johnston. What was that six days like, being in the middle of that? that do, you, do you remember the old East End Park? It had the, the big kind of terracing, didn't it, around the back yeah. of the goal? I, I'm, I'm, I, honestly, I, I have never seen so many people in one end at that stadium that day. Celtic fans were... It was incredible. It was a warm day that day. And mm-hmm. It was just a massive, massive green and white. And the, that big end, I thought, Jesus, this, this is an, an incredible support behind us here. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Simon scores, I think we Simon scores did, to go one nil up. And then you're right, uh, uh, the guy scores with a header. And, and, and then the, de- the dressing was death silence. Vim, Vim never really. Come in, ball looking the odds of you, or anything like that. He would say to see you uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is the thing that that, that I've told, and I don't know if many guys remember. We trained on the Thursday at Parkhead. Then we, we trained on Thursday at Parkhead. 
and we were horrendous, horrendous. Boys were arguing and the tackles were flying in and it was a mess, an absolute mess. Mm. And Dan just called, blew his whistle and he pulled everybody in. And we only trained about 15 minutes or something. And he went, enough, go home. See you tomorrow. He's, and he, and he, he said, you're not ready. You're not ready to win a league. Yeah, them, and he, he, seen, he went, you're not ready to win it. He said, go home. And we came in on Friday and it was bang on. You were bang at it again. So there's that, probably that apprehension on the Thursday training was that bad, where we knew the, multi, the multitude, of the, the magnitude of the game that, that we were going to come up against. Whether it was St. Johnston or Real Madrid or whatever, yeah. we had to win a game to win a title. And to that's stop genius. That. That's genius for one, though, isn't it? Brilliant. Just brilliant, Keith. It was brilliant because this went, blew this and went, go home. No. It, but I'd, I'd roughly knew what the form guys were like, because all man was the same. All man was dead calm. Mm-hmm. Dead clever, calm. Never really shouted after games or anything like that. Never. The only one I'd probably saw kind of for it was Neville Scala. He was a brilliant coach as well. I seen Neville lose it one day in the dressing room, but Otmar never, um, never yeah. calm. Vim was the same calm. Yeah, just, just at that level. Yeah, just, just go home and probably Celtic needed somebody like him like that at that time where yeah. he, he knew yeah. how he kind of handle big, big situations and he just blew his whistle. See you tomorrow. You're not ready. And Did you think like, I'm a funny wee guy, Paul? Because we obviously had to deal with him in the press side mm-hmm. and he was probably a lovely, lovely guy. But as you said, it was just kind of deadline, wasn't it? It was sort of a yeah. low up, low downs. Was it? Was he? Was he a, a kind of a guy that you you could bond relationships with, or was he quite a distant guy inside the dressing room? Because I got the kind of I think he liked to keep himself to himself. Certainly when it came to dealing with us, mm-hmm. I think that's that was that was a key to him. I think I think he. he, um, he I think Vim, it's funny you talk about him there, I mean, Johan Cruyff said there's only three people you'd want to listen to talking about football, and man was Vim Janssen. Right. And when you look at that, you think, and Cruyff says he wouldn't have been the same player if Vim never played behind yeah. him. And you think, the guy, the guy's held so much high esteem for a lot of his, his, his ex teammates, but he was quiet as in he would come into the dressing and talk football. Incredible knowledge of football. Mm. And all in the world, incredible knowledge of football. And I remember one day um, he came in, and um, there's a probably a couple of things that just come back to my memory. Really. God rest him, Phil O'Donnell, Jesus. Vim walked by on the, on the day of the game in the, in the tunnel, or just at the tunnel at Parkhead, and Vim hadn't, hadn't named the team yet, you know. And I was walking with Phil, just came by, mm. and he said, Okay, afternoon, boss. Or, and uh, Dunn turns into Phil says, quite candidly and everything, just walked right by him and said, Phil, just let you know you're not playing today, you understand? And just kept on carrying on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that turned into Phil, well, I take it you're not playing then. He went, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was brilliant. Because you know, come back, do you know what I mean? You'd absolutely know. Because right. it, was, it was near the team meeting sort of thing, but he just told them right in the corridor, Phil, uh, you're not playing today, you understand? <laughs> Phil was just standing there and I thought, well, I take it you're not playing then fully, and they started kind of laughing. But but everybody did so much respect for him because of uh-huh. what he'd done. And he came in one day the the treatment room with his uh, I think his World Cup final jersey, and uh, 
I might be in the 74 one, I think the 74, the 74 one, and he, he had it over his jumper and that, and he came into with the lads, you know, the lads started laughing, he went, oh, just, I'm just a little bit heavy for this new sort of thing, but I think, I think that jersey went for a lot of money, I think he auctioned right. it up in Glasgow, and they went for a lot of money, but mm-hmm. nobody did a comeback with him anyway, because you play in the World Cup final and things like that, and done incredible, so we couldn't sit there and go, hey, gaffer, your jersey's crap, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bloody hell. So, but he, he right. was dead calm and he, he was probably one of the, the biggest... Do you know everybody loved him? That's the thing. Everybody loved him. Playing for him. Everybody gave him everything they had, you know? What was the what was it like in the dressing room at half-time in that St. Johnson game? You're taking the lead. You're the winner mm. one, nothing. You pulled early. And I think it was the 72nd or 75th minute before you finally got the second goal that released all the tension. What was it like at half time knowing that you were still basically a St Johnson equaliser away for blowing yeah. this? Because we knew Rangers were winning, they were right. because there was no noise coming from the crowd. Aye. So you knew then that, that either Rangers were winning or, or things are going Rangers' way anyway. And Henry obviously scores, scores that great goal. I don't think we played particularly great that day. I think the thing was just to, just to win. Just yeah, just, just day one, and and I and I think I, I think George Boyle missed a header, did he? I think I'm sure I, he did. I think yeah. he had a header that he, he might have. That, well, he should have scored, I guess. That that um, it gave us a wee bit of reprieve, and then obviously Harold. Uh, I think um, I don't know who it was, but Boy there, Jackie that crosses it for him, mm-hmm. and um, Harold, Harold scores as soon as the second one, and then that was it. You yeah. knew right, you knew right away that that right. thank thank God sort of thing that's that's over we it'll never be done again in, in my in my time anyway it would never be it'll never you never have that that feeling that again of well that's it gone now so Henry Henry set the tone with the with the goal and then and then Harold obviously finished it off you know that's right aye and then you had like within probably a couple of days wasn't it you must have been shocked if that was away. Uh, that was that. we knew there was things behind the scenes uh, going back to Keith's point earlier with the calmness behind we knew we, we knew the back of minds and minds are, I don't, we, we had a feeling it was going to go because of the relationship we, we upstairs we, there was too much going with it do you know what I mean there was too much the smoke there that yeah. Vin would probably see this this through and then he would leave but when he still told us that everybody were in Portugal, then you then you thought, oh Jesus, what what a mess this is! Everything that worked there gave give the impetus back to to Rangers yeah. again because of what had happened, you know. But did the players did the players resent the chief exec and the guys above for causing this? Because you've thrown the kitchen sink and mm. stopping this. You've achieved it within just the guys within that dressing room, and then here we go again. These guys up here have killed us. We've lost the manager. We've, we're going to have to start again from scratch. Did the players resent that? I think there was, I think there was a lot of animosity there, Keith, at that, at that, um, at that point. There's, there's a lot of that of, well, we, we've, we've done this together. And yeah. all of a sudden, the manager goes. So obviously, you're, you're grievous with the manager, or the manager's grievous with you. The, the, manager, the, the manager never suffered fools, I thought. He was brilliant that way. Yeah. And if he never held you in that esteem, I don't think he'd have liked to stand on because when you suffer people that... Uh, I always found them, uh, if you didn't understand football, don't talk to him. 
Don't come into the office. Aye. Aye. He, he always used to say to me before games, if you see something on the pitch changer, he said, and I went, to you, I said, right. he said, if you see something, you don't change it, then I'll be angry with you. But if you see something, change it. And if it doesn't work, don't worry about it. I'm telling you to do it. Mm-hmm. He said, but I can't get my message on to you. You have to, you, you've played in big games, you know what to do, you change it. And I just think, geez, well, that's some responsibility um, for him to give me because it, he couldn't get the message really as long as he wanted. So but, uh, we all knew the animosity weeks before before we had him on the board. We, we, we knew that was that was there, whether it was with Jock or Fergus or whatever. But the lads all knew there was a problem because it was spoken about in the dressing room. So. Right. So although it came as a massive shock to like the media and the fans, yeah. I suppose, when he left right after winning the title, it wasn't it the biggest shock in the world for the dressing room? No, I, I think the back of your mind, we, we have, we'd have known that there was things... Um, there was things going on, you know what I mean? Uh, but he, he pulled me before it and, and he had a chat with me and said, I, was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. When he says that, I, I had a feeling that he was, yeah. was going. I, I never yeah. said it and I kept acting myself that. I just kept acting myself. Because it wasn't fair in the rest of the last, they say the manager's going to go and then it derails everything. I had a, mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling in the back of my head that he's going to go for after this one, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Listen, I, I know time's moving on, so we'll move on as well. And yeah. you know, there was uh, there was a spell with uh, Joe Vengloss, and then Martin came in, and everything changed again, didn't it? Um, <clears throat> you know, what was you know we've all everybody's got a Martin O'Neill story, but what mm-hmm. was he like? Is it looked to me as if players would have died for Martin O'Neill? Um, was that is that basically the way it was? Uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was, uh, listen, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the gaffer. So, first, because if you remember, uh, Gus Hedding didn't went through us, didn't he? Aye, aye, aye. Aye, yeah. and there's so much talk that Gus was was, um, was coming and then. Valencia uh, at the time or something like that, wasn't he? And it, it went so far as to the newspapers were even flying to Valencia to get interviews with Gus Hedding because. That's he right. Was, he was it was, I was there. I went to, it was actually Seville because he was a, he was oh. a real artist. And uh, and I went, I went and interviewed him. I and by the way, he was up for it. He was well up for it. So I don't Aye. know what happened there. So, so we all thought that was going to happen. Gus Hindi was, was coming, and then uh, and, and again, God rest him, Tommy Burns, who was brilliant. Uh, Tom was kind of holding the fort, sort of thing. It started that season a little bit, and then obviously the manager get get announced, and uh, and I forget this. This was brilliant. This and the. Uh, I don't know if you remember old Parkhead when you used to come in the main door. He used to have a kind of little green room mm-hmm. on, on the right hand side. Yeah. Martin, Martin pulled us all in and uh, we were sitting there. And uh, he, he said, Listen, lad, he said, Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And he said, Can you tell me a wee bit of background what happened last season? Cause we, I think we finished 21 points, didn't we, behind Rangers at that? Yeah. That, which was a, just a, a washout season because of what had been going on. And then um, he asked, he asked a lot of lads their opinions and most of went, we just, we need help, we're, we're no good enough, we're, we're just no good enough, we need help. And he, he, you know yourself, when he took off his glasses, you knew <laughs> some, something was coming and he went, okay, so lads, he said, um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, he said, I'm, I'm going to keep the better ones at the football club, I'm going to bring better ones in to help you, and if you, the rest of you, if you don't want to stay, you can go. And I thought, Oh, we've got a good one here. We've got a proper one. 
this this is day one. Ah, he's just told you day one. Yeah, th- this is what we need. We we need we need this this we we need Celtic needed that type of manager at that time because Rangers are strong. Another strong strong era that they had, and and Martin came in and and uh, and, and everybody thought, yeah, we've got a proper one. And then we went his first pre-season. I'm pretty sure we went to Germany, and uh, Leipzig turned us over two 0 really easily. And Leipzig Leipzig at that time were a were a 99th in German regional division team. I mean, again, unbelievable. And he beat us 2 0. And um, uh, he came in and, and told us uh, wallpaper after it was with some of the things he was saying. We thought, oh, that he ain't going to suffer fools here. Because he gave Liverpool it, you know. Um, that, right, right. That, I gave Liverpool it that day. He said, you, I think he said along the lines at Liverpool, if, if you don't run, son, you won't play for me. You know, which uh, Liverpool started to run then, you know. <laughs> for um, the first time in his career. Give Liverpool a boy, he can be like a seal. But he didn't want to do the kind of hard work. Then, then when Martin came, it kind of changed. So he, he started to bring in Lenny, and uh, well, Lenny came in later, and then uh, Sutty, and then Tomo, and uh, Jos came in, and then Bobo, and, and then all the guys all started to come in, and he kept, I think he kept all the good ones and brung, brung all the, the other guys to hell. But that was, I mean, you're, you're, it's funny, David, going back to your thing, people say to me a lot, What's the difference between the Dortmund team he played with and the Celtic team he played with? Mm-hmm. The, the thing for me, the Dortmund team, I always say, was a special team. The Celtic team was a great team. And that's the biggest confidence I can ever give them because right. it, 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 the two teams are so good. The one was really special, the one was a great, great team. It's dead. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to compare eras of it. And people say, was your team with Martin's team the greatest? team since the Lions and I said no because he does enjoy watching the Celtic team now enjoy watching Celtic team in Brendan's time or, or other or Paul McStay's time enjoyed watching great teams and great players have played there no, no everybody's been great I mean, there's been some shite ones there I mean, but, <laughs> uh, you know, um, but, uh, but there's been a lot of, a lot of good uh, lot well of good one that you can describe as that is obviously Henrik now but where does he rate you know, you played with Carol Heinz Riedler, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Shapley's who was brilliant as well. Yeah. You know, Henrik, and then you've got all the other great Celtic strikers as well over the yeah. time. But is, was Henrik the best? It's the, the, I, I'll tell you, that was another question. That they, I got, uh, different question people come up with. They say, well, how many Celtic guys can you get a game with your Dortmund team? Aye. Did you answer that? It's a, exactly. It's a really tough Larson, every time Henry got a ball, for instance, and, and the goal, I felt he's going to score. Yeah, he's going to score. He's going to score. He's going to score. And never, and that's a great thing as a midfield player to have. You think this lad's going to score for you, or Wheeler's going to score, or, or Chappie's going to score. And great, great players score. And the way I judge Henry and and, uh, and the top ones is they all went. To different countries to do it, and he done it. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Spain, and he done it. He, he went to Manchester, and he, he done it. So, for me, that's what puts him in the elite level. Yeah. He done it all in the world. Done it with his national team. He, he done it with Celtic. He done it with Barca or Manu. He, he done it all in the world, and that's where you judge 
people can they go out their environment or their comfort zone and go and do it in another country, which is no easy. You go to another language, you go to hope they fit, you go to hope they translate you, all those sort of things. But with Henry, always, he's up, he's 100% up there with the greatest ones that I've played with. Rolls Royce, wasn't he? Total Rolls Royce. It, it was just brilliant to, to um, we got on really well. I spoke to him the other day there as well. We, we, got, we got on really well and, and probably had the, the greatest respect for each other of what I'd done and what, what he's done and, and things like that. But I just felt, he could score out of nothing. And that, that was a great thing about him. I mean, I always say he, he can bite a better player after his leg break. That, yeah. That's just my opinion of him. That Extraordinary. He, he, he looked stronger. He, looked, he could jump higher. He, <coughs> he, he was quick. He, he, he wasn't the tallest. He would beat mm-hmm. you there. Ah, yeah. He had great timing. He had great, great, great timing. So, class <coughs> and without... With, Listen, Larson was there in the 97, 98 season when the, when the league was really yeah. proper. Don't know where this is going to go, even though he had the Martin era mm-hmm. at the time. But he, he still have a great understanding with Harold as well. Um, yeah. With that as well. And Big Mark Reduca was also another brilliant, brilliant striker. So, but Henry, nine times out of ten, would, would score. Tell us this, Paul. I'm, I'm interested because, uh, from, again, from the outside, we would go that first season with Martin into the press conferences. And if he said it once, he said it about 100 times at the start of the, over the first few weeks. Rangers are the benchmark. They are the benchmark. And it was like, the, you know, you're thinking to yourself, you're looking behind the glasses and you're thinking, I all right, that's the right thing to say. And I know why you're saying it. Mm-hmm. I don't think for a single second he's walked into that dressing room and he's saying the same thing. So was it was was this something he just wanted? You know that, that was the public perception. But in that dressing room, I don't believe for a single second that he was saying it's going to be acceptable for us to finish second. Oh, okay, hundred percent. I mean, it's a great. I think Martin tells a great story, doesn't he? When the six-two game, the, the Rangers six-two game. When, when that was his first old firm game, was at six-two. He never felt comfortable um, in the game because. <laughs> Because uh, Rangers were that good a team, uh, they, they might have scored four goals in, in ten seconds. Plus, a Jonathan Gould in goal. Again, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. But, but it was brilliant. He it. It, it could build you honestly. He, he could make you feel like Maradona and Messi and Pele rolled into one, and then bring you right down and drop you like a stone, but, and then pick you back up again. It was brilliant answer. And it, it, do you know what? For everybody, they, um, they, they probably say. Martin, he would, he would go mad and all that. There wasn't a, in the in the all the years he was there, he probably count one hand, if any, really, how many times he really lost his temper with us because we were winning. Mm-hmm. And and he built a team that was strong, that was quick, that had guile, that had, uh, that team had everything. Speed, had everything that team. It was a powerful, powerful side and, and it could play. It all big international players, it had won big things. It, 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 and in any company, it, it would have held its own. And that team, yeah, Martin's year was, was incredible strong. As it proved on that run to the mm. Seville, which was just extraordinary, to, even just to be in a, a press guy, be part of this, because I grew up, we were talking with uh, John McMaster the other day. Was, you know, that was my early memories of watching a Scottish club, you know, get to a a European final. I didn't think I was ever going to see those days yeah. in my profession. That just came total out of the blue. And it was it was amazing just even to be piggy back 
to be a part of it, to, to, to be a part of a Scottish club getting to the European final. And that's, on, you know, we're on the outside. It, that just, that whole thing must have been incredible. It was brilliant. It became, it became surreal. Did it become surreal? Do you know, I, I don't think it did because of no. the players that, that, that were there. Yeah. Because we knew how to win games. We, we knew we were strong. We knew we had any that up front. We knew we, we had a really strong backbone of the team. Do you know what I mean? We had a really, like, for example, always, I know Henry scored the goal in the semi-final against Boa Vista. But for me that night, Bobo Baldi was, was, <laughs> was ridiculous how good he was. I mean, Bobo, Bobo made less go as he in that semi-final because of how good he was. He, he defended everything in sight that night, Bobo. And and Henry also gets the, the goal. But that, that team could go through the mill with anybody. And, and it did do it that, that time because of Blackburn, Liverpool, um, Stuttgart, and whoever it was, we, we, we knocked out. It was just, the, the teams were knocked out. It, it, it didn't really surprise me because we were a, we were a great side. Do you think you'd have won it, Paul, if Bobo had stayed on the park in the extra time? Or at least gone to penalties? I think we'd have went to penalties. I think I think there's a good chance of that. I think, uh, do you know what, David, without making excuses, right? Polo were great. They were a great side, as he proved the following year when they won Champions League to win it. The pitch was diabolical in Seville that night. It was, it was relayed. And there, there was no water on that. That that when we went out and looked at that pitch, that that was so dry, and it was. And I thought that stadium was never big enough to hold the Celtic support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was whoever made the decision for for that final, or who realised Celtic were going to be in the final. You've got to surely look at the fan base and think, well, hang on, if Celtic get through here, we, mm-hmm. they could fill that. The stadium was never big enough to hold the Celtic support, which to me. I mean, you're probably a few guys were there. You'd have seen the the vast support they had. It was it was phenomenal. But it, it wasn't the stadium wasn't good enough. And I'm not making excuses. That that's why we lost. We lost because number one, we never we never played well enough to beat them. They were a really good side. With Bobo stayed on the pitch, maybe have took us to penalties. Might might have done. It, it might have done. But I don't think we. we that was just one game. We probably never performed at our best level. I don't think. And you say that, Paul, but it was a hell of a final, you know. I mean, it was, mm. and it wasn't as if it was one of these cagey affairs, it was just hell for leather and goals flying in all over the shop. And yeah, it was it a thing, yeah, you're right. It was a hell of a game for you guys and the, and the support and all that, but for us, ordinary, I, I don't, you know, the Champions League final, I sensed on the pitch we were bang on, in control. I, you were bang on it, and you think. Passes, bum bum. It's going, it's going the way you want it to go. You go turn it up. You think, and Del Piero scores. Fucking Jesus! You think, fucking here we go again, again. And then, then Lars scores a wonder goal. So when you go to one each and Henry scores the second goal, you think, fucking, we can't, we can't go down again here. Then all of a sudden, they get the, the, the three two, three two up. You think, is that a step too far for us to come back again against them? Which obviously, it, it was a hell of a game, but I, I don't think we'd. And that's, you know, that's, that's probably one of, I think that's probably the biggest regret I've got in my football career was not to win that trophy because it would be nice to have two European trophies coming oh, from that. Really. I mean, that. That would have been the clean sweep for you when you've won, you know, you've won every domestic Scottish trophy, you've mm. won the European Cup 
and if you could have won the, the UEFA yeah. Cup as well, you know, because obviously the Cup Winners' Cup's not around anymore, so you can't do that one. So um, a clean sweep, wouldn't it? That, that, that was that. And what, what would have rounded it off, which I know Scotland in my time were never going to win a World Cup, right? But, but playing against Brazil, yeah. if you're going to open a World Cup, play against them mm. in, that, in that time, because oh, Jesus Christ, they were... They were brilliant as well, so you think, well, if we're going to win it, we as well play against this mob. So it, you just think that, but I, that was the biggest regret, and it was just yeah, bloody. To, to this day, it still rangles with you that one. You know? What was it? Okay. Paul, uh, was now, it, like, that must yeah. have been sore as sore as you've experienced. Oh, without a doubt, that that was been the lowest point, and I, that's why I say that that's been my biggest. That's been my biggest regret. There's no one in that one. Because what did I, I, I think he was as gutted. He, the, the, the dressing room was really sombre, it was really quiet. No, what do you say to guys that, even being a manager, what do you say to guys that just lost a cup final or they're down as, as it is? Everybody felt down, everybody knew the week. We gave it everything that, that night, we gave it everything on that run, we gave it the whole thing. In the Champions League run as well, Keith, we, we Celtic, nine points takes you through. Mm-hmm. And we were hitting nine points. New six points get you through at certain times, certain groups. Mm-hmm. We, we couldn't get by nine. You're thinking, fuck's sake, can't get by. Can't get through a group. We're a great, great. Yeah. I remember yeah. all my hits fell. Do you remember Celtic played Bayern in, uh, at Parkhead? I, I was injured. And um, Altmar came over with Bayern. And uh, I saw him before the game and that. And he went, it's a good team, Celtic. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, man, it's, a, it's a good side. And Bayern was a really good side at that, at that yeah. point. But he knew that Celtic was a good team at that, that point. We, we just needed that point, I think, against Juve when Amoruso takes, takes all the Tom Daly dive in the penalty box. Oh, that's the one where Martin went absolutely nuts on the sideline, didn't he? Uh, uh, we we, we couldn't get the dressing for four hours after that game. Right. The guy the gaffer just bolted the door and just sat behind it or something. Is that there? Can you believe it? The worst, the worst shocking. Slightly actually after a game. I, I and the worst shocking came out of his mouth about four thousand times. That's why you couldn't. Oh, absolutely shocking. Aye, that was it. That was it. We kept on saying it. So everybody knew that the, 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 the final was was just an absolute killer to, to lose that one. Well, as you say, it's hard to believe it was twenty years ago, but um, you know. But since then, you obviously went on your card, your career in management. Mm. Since the Ipswich, you've not been in the game, but have you, have you got a desire to get back in? or you know, oh, I, oh, no, I'll, I'll go back in. Uh, uh, I'm actually going to I, I'm actually going to Dortmund uh, in a few weeks' time to watch him, watch him play. Then I'm going to um, Italy to see Pablo Sosa just taking over a team. So I'm going to see him. So I, I enjoy what I do now. But now um, yeah, I found the opportunity, David, to go back in, which uh, mm-hmm. I said no because I was... I didn't want to keep firefighting all the time and yeah. and a lot of things and I thought I, you, you get out of your jobs um, with fourteen games to go and you you see how hard it is to keep teams in leagues. It's tough when there's only fourteen games to go and, and when people ask me to, to go and try and help and then you think no I'm going to move on and, and uh, do more things. So but now I've started to yeah let's see what what happens and, and see where it goes. You know. Do you think you ever come back up the road? I'm saying, would you ever come back up the road? I, I don't think you ever say, 
I don't think you ever say never to where you go. I think football is brilliant for taking you all over the place. You know, you never can actually turn around and say that this is my forever home. No, you, you can never do it because you just don't know where you're going to end up in football. Until you say, that's me finished with football, that's that's it. But I've been in football since I was 15. I made my debut when I was 15 with St Mirren. So it's all I really know mm-hmm. uh, on that side, whether it's management or whether it's uh, being a player or or doing this sort of thing with you guys or doing yeah. TV or football's the only kind of thing I really know and people have asked me to help with different things on football so but now I, I, I want to go back in and because uh, it's madness it's absolutely but it's a great it's a great um, it's a great game Do you think we're suffering a little bit in terms of Scottish coaches just now that, you know there was a period when Scottish coaches were half the Premier League Yeah but, you know you were, you were part of it yeah. Um, and, and all of a sudden, it just seemed to switch. And it's almost now as if, well, if you're Portuguese, you'll get a job there. Or if you're German, you'll get a job. The, the yeah. Scottish element seems to be out of favour, out of trend, off point or something. Just now, do, do you think you're suffering for that a little bit? I agree with that, but 100%. I mean, if you look at if you, if you look at Premier League, for example, the, the, a lot of ownership now is foreign who, who want to have their own own form guys in there and and um, their own way of doing it. Listen, football makes me laugh. People think they've reinvented reinvented the keys. Yeah, I know. It's not it's possible. <laughs> exactly. I think the boss the ball's running. It's going to go and hit somewhere. And, and it, the, the game's here, and 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 people talk the football language. And I mean, honestly, God, you need to go and count down. To understand what some of the languages, you think, oh, <laughs> what, what are they actually saying here? In, in hell, you just think, no, football's football's no change. You, you, I'm pretty sure you guys played five or six, or I, I could play five or six with you. I would know where to pass it. Do you know where to pass it? It's just having mm-hmm. that team spirit where you can say, okay, this is how we're going to play, guys. Okay, keeping guys near problem. How how good guys can be and keep my dressing room really. Really good. I've been over to see Carl Angelotti, I've been over to see Pep, I've been over to see Jurgen, I went to see Robert Schmidt, I went to see so many managers that um, everybody says the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody, there's no, there's things you take away when you meet the great managers and great people, you take things away from, from them. But the game's the same. Yeah. People invent languages and words now that I think, right, get my encyclopedia out here, what the hell, what dictionary, what. Yeah, what, what, I'm what so glad mean? to hear you say that. What, what, is, what does that mean, that word? Uh, you, you think, what, 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 what's people saying? And because people say something, you go, I'm going to leech onto that. That's a great word, that. I'm, uh, going, to re- I'm going to reinvent a football now, or how uh, it's going to work. In Scottish managers, you're right, they probably do. If you look at Ange up at Celtic and and Michael up at, up at Rangers, the two biggest clubs up the road, and uh, and, and uh, Michael's obviously English and Andrew's is, is Australian kind of thing. So they, but they've took to that and they've made Rangers and Celtic better. Mm-hmm. They, they were, this, the, the lads who, who are at Aberdeen or Motherwell or, or Hearts and things like that, Robbie at Hearts has done a great job at, at thing. It's not easy to compete against the old firm when you don't have the same resources or the fan bases that they have. All you can try and do is take them in a one-off game, yeah, 
where you might beat them in a one-off situation, you ain't going to win the league. That's the, I think you guys, until your pen dries out, will probably see Rangers are going to win the league. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody comes up in an unbelievable medical... Well, that's the story, I am. That's it. That, mm-hmm. that, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. when you look at that side of the game, you think, well, it's always going to be the old firm. But the Scottish lads who, who are up there and who try and win against the old firm, football management ain't easy. Mm-hmm. I see Jim Goodman walking across Easter Road, jumping a barrier, and you think, no, that that's not that's a young kid trying to try to manage, trying to get through things and, and needs a wee bit of armor on it at certain times to say, okay, come on. Well if we lose the game, we, we go this way. We, we always go to the front door. So you look at things like that, I think no, it's 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 no good. I've had my aim, bloody issues we I've been in it a long time. Mm-hmm. Twenty odd years of management. So it's it's uh, it, I've had great times, not so good times, highs, lows, all that sort of thing. But there is good Scottish managers, and you're right. I think that sometimes there's a there's a disservice. David Moyes at West Ham, brilliant, and yeah. David had a hard time at uh, Real Sociedad, Sunderland, it's Man United, mm. hard time. He goes down to West Ham and does brilliant again. Yeah. So so that you've got you've got some good managers there. Stevie Carson, brilliant job with the national team. Look it's funny you, funny you bring that job up because that's the one I'm thinking about. You know, given everything that you've done in your career, Paul. You know, and nobody's trying to rush Steve Clark out of the position because he's doing such a brilliant job for us. Yeah. But is there a hanker in there? Is there something in the back of your head thinking, do you know what? That would be that would be just about the complete career if one day I could go and and be a Scotland manager. I think the the, the national team. It's funny because uh, Stevie, who, who I know really well, uh, uh, I actually made my mum debut in. Uh, I played right wing, Stevie played right back mm. at St Murn and uh, so I knew him from St Murn and knew knew what he was like and uh, and I played against him down here uh, when he was manager of West Brom and, and uh, I was at Villa so I, I knew the career Stevie had which was which was great and he, he took the national team over it, it, it probably I, I don't know whether it's the right time or wrong time but he's made that team like a club team which is brilliant yeah, and, and I think that the guys are going really well and, and they seem as if they want to be there and play for them and, and the crowd have bought back into it. I think that's a great thing. The crowd have bought back into the national team. It's, it's, I think we've lost it a bit um, uh, for a few years but the crowd have bought in it and the guys are good and um, which which is nice. So uh, the national team probably becomes a pinnacle of it and you think, well, if Scotland says, how, how do you turn it down? That's right. my point. Is, Exactly. If, how, how, if your country said, listen, you want to do it, and and and, and there's no other managers in the world that want to do it, then well, I'm going to have a stab at this. You, you maybe think, I'll give it a go, but Stevie Clark, I think, is. I don't think we're ever as close to getting a major tournament again for what he's done. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think yeah. what he's done has been extraordinary. And we've got some really great. The great thing is, now I think we've got really good players playing at a really high level, and that's, that's helping us. He's, he's been quite fortunate with that in, in terms of timing. If there was a time to get the Scotland job over the last twenty odd years, it's now because yeah. we've got players that are, you know, when Gordon Strachan had the job, Paul, he was picking players out of the Championship. Yeah, if, if you could get a regular game in the second tier English football, you're a Scotland international. That's not the that's, case anymore. We've got talent. That that that's that, and you look at. Listen, we've got probably. In Sod's Law, this is incredible. Danny McGee and Sandy Jarman are probably two of the finest fullbacks yeah, in, yeah. in the world. 
played right back to them. At the same time. Ah, uh, exactly. And, and now you've got Tierney and Robertson. Uh, you've got two left back. Jesus Christ. And you've got McGinn in there, McGregor in there. That, that I think the nucleus is really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I know the boy Adams does well when he when he plays, and the boy Dice does does pretty well. But I, I just think we need that a striker. Just that to finish it off that can go. And we we are game after game after game. I, I don't think we 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 far away from it because we seem to have the good spine of the team that that's happening, and there's some good young ones as well. So that the, the great thing is, is a lot of them playing big clubs, Villa or Arsenal or, or Liverpool, and, and it's just sods love of it. Yeah, probably the good thing about McGrain was, and I hate praising that bastard. McGrain, if he ever listens to this, that fucking him. Can, he's unbelievable, McGrain. I love him to death as well. But I can't praise him. So McGrain and Jardin, McGrain could play left back. It was brilliant. I know, I know. You mean know three kick was brilliant. It was ideal. Listen, this has been ideal as well, Paul. Thanks very much for your time. This has been a fascinating wee chat, well, long chat. Yeah, um, sorry about that, Paul. We've kept you a wee bit longer, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, no. forget, I forget half the stuff that goes on. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You've done well there. Yeah. You know, like, that's, David, do you know what? The only thing I see when you ask the questions, it comes back. Aye. Right? And then yeah. if, if a certain thing, again, things will no, um, will no run off my tongue. Do you know what I mean? It'll just be, Aye. I remember that now, but there's a lot of stuff that you forget where, because you're trying to remember. Yeah, 25 years ago, whatever it was. And you've got to remember, that's the point. And I, do, I, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like trying to find, fucking hell, I remember that now, how that actually, how that actually happened, do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks very much for your time, Paul. And right. oh, no doubt we'll catch up with you soon. But thanks thanks for coming on the podcast. Brilliant. Really? No worries, thanks very much.